Well, what's a cloud? What's a cloud? Because I can tell you right now, a CIO and a C-suite and a CEO is still responsible for PHI. If you take that data and you put it out and that data gets hacked, they are physically responsible. You'll find that most patient data is still in a hybrid cloud on-prem. PHI. Very few hospitals put that in a remote cloud managed by an MSP. They don't trust it. It's still in a hybrid cloud on-prem. That's Jeff Bakeman, Vice President of Healthcare Solutions for Comport Consulting. And what he's referring to in this opening comment is PHI, Personal Health Information. It's one of the many complex factors in why the U.S. healthcare industry seems behind the digital curve. In an earlier story we did on tech disruption of healthcare, or more accurately, the lack of a tech disruption, our sources pointed out that the business model of charging a fee to treat disease needs to shift to charging a fee to keep you from getting a disease. Technology is an important factor in that shift. The use of artificial intelligence to scan x-rays, wearable sensors, algorithms that search out and prevent surprise bills to customers. Those are all cool examples of what's slowly shifting that business model. But one facet of tech's impact on healthcare we don't hear much about in the news, large back-end technology implementations, how data is stored, how it's accessed. This is where we turn to an expert like Jeff Bakeman, who works with hospitals. In this story, he talks about the work he's done for federally qualified health centers, also known as FQs. I started off by pushing back a bit and asking him why we're not seeing big advances in healthcare with all the amazing tech tools that are out there. So I, I don't take that as a pushback at all. I would say, where are we with diabetes in healthcare? Where are we with cancer? Where are we with Alzheimer's? Where are we with cardiology? Where are we with body mass index? We hear we're moving the needle forward, but yet I still lost my mother to Alzheimer's. So what's changing? So if you look at us as a $3 trillion um, GDP, 20, 25% of that's healthcare. This is a massive number. We have 5,000 hospitals in the United States. That's going to be about 2,500 hospitals by 2025. So what you're finding is it's not that the care and the improvement is not going forward. It's that this is 25% of our GDP and it's so large. How do you get something out there that is changing and show it to people, right? So our ploy is make a difference, make a small difference and figure out how to scale that difference so that if I can get one FQ successful, then I can get 10, then I can get 100, I'm going to make a difference, even if it's small, against a GDP number of 25%. Right, right. Well, we wonder why the Airbnb or Uber of healthcare hasn't arrived yet. Uh, where's the tech disruption we've seen in other verticals? But as someone who sees under the hood, and as you talk about how massive this system is. What's your sense of this? 
you know, healthcare has always been five to seven years behind Wall Street. You know, the financial institutions that know to the second when to buy and sell their algorithms and everything they've created is far more advanced. And healthcare has always lagged behind and been very conservative. The problem we have now is how effective can a C-suite be to go to the proactive side of the equation fighting a horrible battle of ransomware, mergers and acquisitions, a pandemic, doctors and nurses wanting to leave the field because they're burned out and stressed out. Right now, you can't get to the smart side of the equation. This reminds me of California. No rain, tons of fires, and they can't put the fires out. That's what's going on in healthcare right now. We have the technology, we have the AI, we have a lot of these things, but if you look what's keeping the CIO up at night, it's not the proactive things that are going to make medicine better. It's just keeping the doors open. Yeah, and I think one common perception is that when information technology does ripple through the industry, it'll feel immediate. You know, uh, it'll be on the consumer side. We'll see it on our iPhones. And that's probably true to a degree, but you are witnessing advances that we don't as consumers necessarily see which are transforming medicine. So we have now deciphered the human genome. We know that the genome is going to tell us how to turn off cancer, how to turn off various illnesses and mutations that form illness and sickness, right? And we have a bunch of brilliant PhDs all over the world that have done their own studies on genome and their data resides in their own research lab at Illinois or U Chicago or Harvard. Now, what happens is if I could virtualize that data and I could make all of Professor A's data available to Professor B's data and Professor C's data, and all of that genomic content goes into a single data lake where all the data sits in one place, what happens to the discovery of disease now? The corpus of data comes three, four, ten times deeper than it was before, becomes much richer than before. That is when you're going to see the elevation just go insane with discovery because you can't just move this data around. It's petabytes. So petabyte here, petabyte there, petabyte there. When you virtualize that and all that data becomes virtual in one single location and you can get then play with it, what happens then? That's when you're going to see outcomes change drastically. In this conversation with Jeff Bakeman, it's important to note the environment that he's talking about. There are about 14,000 federally qualified health centers in the United States. Many of them are nonprofits located in inner cities. They're understaffed, their patients tend not to be affluent, and the IT at these hospitals tends to be resource-challenged. What Bakeman has done at an FQ in Philadelphia, Delaware Valley Community Health, has shown how a new enterprise tech install increases patient visits and outcomes and pays for itself by handing doctors and nurses more time to treat people. This is really pretty cool. So we have a an FQHC in Philadelphia, Delaware Valley Community Health. They didn't have a strong network in there. We built a technology for an entire guest service where now not only 
can people say, don't forget that you have an appointment today, right? So patient experience now has other things included in it, including texting and other items to remind people to come. But also when they get there, now there's a kiosk in there. And guess what? There's a human by the kiosk. Or they can use their phone and they can say, hi, Bill Jones, I'm here. I'm ready to see my dentist or I'm here to see my clinician or what have you. And the FCC grants that were given out in the CARES Act money and the various funds that were out there, there was a huge FCC grant. We got technology. And yet that's another growth area for these guys. And that is to have bandwidths that can support these growths. So Delaware Valley has 10 locations. I have three data centers inside here and we're on active, 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 which means if a building catches on fire, goes down, I have 100% of the data accessible at all times. Prior to the pandemic, going back to Charles River, a truck hit a telephone pole. They were down for two days. So you're in an underserved community They don't have redundant power. They don't have another location in another state. A clinician has no access to the EHR. Patient can't get in. You can't admit or discharge. Well, what are you going to do about that? In the case of Philadelphia, which we're going to replicate this in this video that we're doing, we're going to show you how we build a Nutanix active, active, active situation. And if building burns to the ground or a telephone pole gets hit, my entire EHR workload goes through Another location, I'm up and running, my patient records are there, and I'm up. No downtime. The video Bakeman refers to is something he put together to document how this implementation is moving the needle forward for a hospital system without much of an IT pedigree. So what we did is we put NextGen on Nutanix. Well, the first thing that came out of this was you never touch it again. You don't manage it. You don't have to touch it. But I got a CIO to log in to the CIO of Delaware Valley, and they're using NextGen from an MSP in the cloud. So Delaware Valley is on-prem, and this CIO in Boston is at an MSP in the cloud. So I said, you want to do a Teams meeting and let me run this, show you your EHR on Nutanix, and I'm going to show you login times, the times it takes a clinician to fill a prescription, Then I'll move you from radiology over to another module. So I'll throw you around the modules and show you. So login time for the guy running the MSP was about three minutes. We're doing it in 11 seconds at Delaware Valley. So we took a prescription that was initially seven minutes and we're down to under two minutes by the time a person actually has a prescription in hand. So this gets really deep into the revenue cycle, right? What does that free a doctor or clinician up to do in the free time? Multiply that by 365 days a year. What does that do to your revenue cycle, right? Right, right. And I can see what you mean by small changes over time uh, having big impacts because, I mean, this really is a complex thing. It's not just a matter of digitizing something and then And then seeing it on your phone, and I hate to keep harping on the iPhone example, but that's kind of how we recognize uh, digital disruptions. If it shows up there, and then we have, you know, data control of some kind. But the whole back-end infrastructure that you're dealing with, which is sort of incomprehensible to us mere mortals, um, and I'm not necessarily 
talking about the computer science. I'm talking about organizations. You know, healthcare does not fit into the tech model that we've come to know, which is disruptive. How would you characterize the situation hospitals and healthcare providers face to introduce the kind of tech disruption, if I can call it that, that you are doing? Well, you got limited budget. Some are for profit, some are nonprofit, but at the end of the day, you only have so much money to go around. Look at the size of the organizations that are hit by ransomware. They're massive. So think about a hospital system that's got 20 or 30 locations. They have to create a cyber environment that locks every single access point down, including every IoT device that's connected to the network. Those are infusion pumps, radiology machines. All of these machines are now on the network. Then you got your firewalls. Then you got your internet access. Then you got your ERP. You have every one of these access points and you got to plug every single hole or you're going to have to pay millions of dollars. That's the problem. It's a massive problem. So solving ransomware just by itself. And at the same time, I'm competing for the same patient. How do you do a, a better job with patient experience than the next guy so that when you leave there, you have that four-star review? How do you give them an application that's on their phone that wayfinds them into the hospital, to their doctor, down the hallway, to radiology, back to the doctor to read the radiology report, and then takes you right back to your car and you never got lost? Yeah, cloud's a piece of it. Genomics is a piece of it. But patient experience is how you're getting reimbursed from the insurance companies. That's revenue I can count on in the short term to pay my bills. So what do you think is the biggest challenge to transform healthcare? You've talked about factors that sort of limit things. Uh, there's a good reason there is no Uber of healthcare overturning the paradigm. And you've touched on privacy laws as one of those limiting factors. But again, what do you think is the biggest tech challenge? Probably the biggest one is portability. Um, you got an M&A that's moving 5,000 hospitals into 2,500. So you got this multi-trillion dollar M&A that's happening in a short period of time and medical records aren't the same. The proprietary, so you merge and you do all this stuff. You know, you can't just slide these patient records. Oh, guess what? They're over here. That becomes difficult now Going back to the digital front door, and one of the things I like about what we're doing there is when you take Epic and then you take MyChart and then you take an SDK or an API and MyChart actually becomes on your phone and your records are there and you can pay your bill and you can find your doctor and you can find the hospital and you can find your specialist and all this. As more of that comes down to your hand, you have more and more control over your own data, right? And if you remember years ago, you just prayed somebody could even pull your records when you went to the hospital or they'd say they didn't have them or some doctor gave you a folder and said, oh, you're moving to Illinois, take this file with you, you know? And so when these truly become open, that's gonna really help medicine. Jeff Bakeman is Vice President of Healthcare Solutions for Comport Consulting. There's an excellent article written by Joni Wexler entitled Data Deluge Keeps Healthcare CIOs Up at Night. Look for it on the forecast page. It's at theforecastbynutanix.com. 
This is the Tech Barometer Podcast. I'm Jason Lopez. Thanks for listening.